0: Big run, like you can't keep everyone happy all the time and I suppose that's not my role to be keep everyone happy. I suppose you've got to be respected before you're liked. So being able to hang your hat on, you know, your, your key pillars. So being transparent and authentic and having a resilient mindset are probably the three things that I'm trying to drive in, within my program, you know, to, to the athletes and obviously to my staff. So being able to do that
1: hello and welcome to the prepare like a pro podcast make sure if you haven't already to subscribe to my youtube channel to receive a notification and never miss a live interview i hope you enjoyed this interview and please share with a friend or a teammate that you think will value this episode let's go Hello and welcome back to the Prepare Like a Pro live chat show. My name is Jack McLean. I'm your host and today my guest is Cameron Ferguson who's currently the head of performance of the Gold Coast Titans and our key topic for today's chat will be all about how to thrive in a high performance and high pressure environment. So whether you're an athlete tuning in, a parent of an athlete or of course high performance staff, strength, energy coaches, you'll no doubt get some gold and some gems from this chat So get the notepad out and if you've got any questions for those tuning in hit us up in the comment section below i'm sure we'll find some time later in the show to answer your questions but thanks for jumping on cam really looking forward to our chat mate no worries jack thanks for having me for those that aren't aware of your your work cam do you mind provide a bit of a background i guess how your, you yeah know, your passion for the industry where it all started and also some different job experiences you've had over your time
0: yeah sure i suppose it always starts from your childhood right I grew up in country Victoria in Gippsland like you know all my mates grew up playing a lot of sport cricket basketball AFL probably yeah spent a bit of time in my late teens in playing AFL and, and basketball and you know had a passion for that so you know played up until I was about 18 and had some mates that ended up going into AFL being drafted and I was sort of not quite good enough there and you know i had other mates that you know were, were tradies when they finished school and i wasn't quite sure of what i was going to do next so I, had to, I worked for a couple of years after school and did a a TAFE course in i think it was sport recreation sort of a bridging course to get me into uni obviously my high school marks weren't, weren't that good at the time to to go straight into uni so did a TAFE course there for for two years and at the time I was keen to jump into sports science. Head down a, a path of where I could work with elite athletes. I thought that that would be the the next best thing if if I wasn't pro myself, I'd I'd love to work with professional athletes. So decided to move away from home at the time the options that I drew up were moved to WA, do the uni degree over there or or up in Queensland. And at the time, we had friends of the family living in, in the Gold Coast. So I moved up there for a for a week and explored the area, went to an open day at, at the uni and just loved it. So I locked that in and, yeah, moved up to the Gold Coast when I was, I think, 21 at Bond University. So I did did a three-year degree there at the time you know I was 21 moved out of home I had to work three jobs Uh, I was doing biochemistry and and physics which were completely foreign to me so I was yeah completely out of my comfort zone there but what appealed to me was the practical element of of the degree I think there was a in the last semester there was a component of the degree where you had to prescribe high performance programs and so that's sort of what really appealed to me and I along the way I did a lot of work experience as an SNC coach with local local teams and you know got to learn on the fly there so yeah had a passion for that and come to the end of the degree and a lot of other students were sort of looking to to jump into physio and and the medicine and that clearly wasn't for me I I wanted to get my hands dirty straight away and at the time up on the Gold Coast the the Suns was were starting up in the AFL and I think it was 2009 they were in the TAC Cup so yeah I was sort of finishing up my degree there and and just went to a training session and asked if i could help out if there's any opportunities and looking for experience and you know it's probably it's a funny thing it was all timing the the snc running the program at the time had a had a cradle with i think five gps units in it and he said take this see what you can do with that give us some reports let us know what how far we're going and so yeah basically started from there and the next year, 2010, they went into the VFL, so I sort of picked up some part-time work with the Suns there, and I was just learning on the on the fly as a sports scientist, but obviously they were skeleton staff at the time, so I sort of got to help out where I could, you know, as a strength and conditioning coach. And basically, that just morphed into a full-time role uh, as I moved into the AFL, and Yes, yeah, so I ended up being at the Suns for six years, I think it was, up until 2015. And obviously, time had finished up there at, at the Suns and found an opportunity down in Sydney with the Manly Seagulls. So, yeah, lucky enough with my partner, who also works in sport, um, she moved down with me to Sydney. I worked at, at the Manly Seagulls sub up as a rehab coach there. Which yeah, again, come with its challenges. Moving from, from AFL to to NRL culturally was a big big shock to the system, but really enjoyed it. Very challenging, but yeah, sort of embraced that. And two years into that role we had changes of of coaches. So again, sort of yeah, challenges you to, you know, have to thrive in, in high-pressure environments, which is something that I believe I excel in and, and really, really enjoy. And the new coach was Des Hasler, who sort of, yeah, we, we kind of got along real well and he saw, you know, opportunity for me to grow in my role at, at Manly, which was, yeah, I'm grateful for that. And, yeah, ended up running a lot of the the SNC program at the seagulls up until end of preseason last year uh 2022 and then yeah my partner uh who also works in sport she got a job at the qas so pretty good opportunity for her so repaid the favor a bit there and yeah we moved up we got a um five-year-old son now who yeah we're looking to move into school and just really enjoyed the the Queensland lifestyle so we moved up to Brisbane and and settled in and probably had maybe six months out of pro sport where yeah again was was challenging sort of you know the wheels were still turning but you know I had to slow the pace down a bit there for a bit and yeah over the last maybe nine 12 months of of picked up work at the titans as uh head of performance which i'm grateful for and
1: yeah that's sort of where i'm at now that's fantastic yeah thanks for that um background mate it provides yeah, a good context and yeah you referenced the the topic quite well in thriving in high performance environments i think it's a, it's a great topic it's one that we haven't really discussed in great detail on the show yet so really looking forward to uh, asking uh yeah questions and diving into that how to manage those situations and and ultimately thrive out of them as well uh, to make an impact uh, with the players and the and the, and the club. But um, going back to your career, you mentioned Des Haslows. Have there been other influences or strong or mentors, if you like, that have helped shape your philosophy during that process? Whether it be at the Suns, uh, yeah, Manly Sea Eagles, or everywhere in between.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think definitely my my partner Benita uh, has been a massive influence on you know me personally but obviously in my career as well having someone that that works in sport obviously supports me and understands the you know what what comes with that you know the pressure and you know working unique hours and traveling and and whatnot so definitely Benita straightens me up a fair bit there at the Suns definitely Andrew Waller, uh, who I'm forever grateful for giving me my first opportunity there and you know challenged me to grow constantly and definitely applied some skills that I've you know started you know from working with Andrew back then and probably just you know the athletes that I've worked with over my journey over the last 10 or so years you know I'll get a buzz out of what working with kids that come from the academy systems and make it professionally into, you know, the full-time ranks in AFL and and NRL. You know, uh, working with older athletes, like a Foran currently, who's, you know, been around for a long time now but continually strives to improve. And that sort of rubs off on on me. Um, You know, always seeking ways to to find improvement in yourself despite sort of having all that accolades you know as a player he could easily rest on his laurels and, or what he's always done but he's continually looking to to improve said so probably the the main influences obviously that you know there's easy people that you work with but there's also de- difficult people that you come across in in professional sport and I, I think that's definitely shaped me as a person I am today you know uh, obviously, as a person and a professional working in high performance sport, understanding you know how people operate and, and why they operate in a certain way, I think you know has has helped shape me. And I think you know having that emotional intelligence to to read the room and work with different kinds of people is a skill set that you that you definitely need in a high performance environment.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a good way to actually look at it. It's probably not something that's been mentioned before, but the, the people that help you along the way and support you, but also the ones that are difficult and yeah. I guess they think a bit differently as well, are or, or equally making you better if you Absolutely. approach it that way. It's a good mindset. What in terms of looking over your career, what have <laughs> been some if we got highlights that sort of spring front of mind uh, that you look back on fondly? It's it's funny. I don't tend kind to of think about that too much, but.
0: I reckon working at the Gold Coast Suns as part of a organisation in their inaugural year—that that's pretty cool. When you look back on that, you know everything that was happening at the time in the in the in the city of the Gold Coast and how much support they were getting, and just being part of a new team where everything was just new. That was, you know, probably something I, I look back on and and cherish, and probably just you know learn, learning my own way through the industry just learning how to navigate the highs and lows through, you know through through your time in professional sport and just being yourself being authentic along the journey that I kind of look back on and and am proud of see so yeah, they're probably the the key highlights for me nothing no premierships or anything that I've been involved in yet which is probably something that I you know, everyone's striving for in high performance sports so hopefully if you interview me again in a few years time that'll be
1: that'll be one to say 100% and on the flip side most significant challenges and how did you learn what did you sort of grow from facing those challenges in that moment in time
0: yeah definitely finishing up at the Suns was a huge challenge for me personally being moved on in as part of a performance team that were going in a different direction that was a big challenge for me probably personally how how you handle that but obviously professionally i you know working you know for 10 or so years on on from that point the, you understand that that's what happens but learning how to to cope with with changes is, is well has been a, a challenge for me yeah, another one probably just having the understanding of, of what it takes to have the emotional intelligence to, to sustain or working, working in a high-performance environment for a long period of time, uh, understanding that you, you need to have good personal skills and uh, work with a variety of different kinds of people. That's definitely a challenge to be able to sustain that at a high level. And obviously, you know, work as everyone has working through the COVID period over the last couple of years, you know, with with restrictions and having to move into bubbles and hubs and you know, working in skeleton models where you're stripped with staff and resources has definitely been a challenge, but a lot of learning has come from that, particularly how to you know sustain frameworks of of models that you're you know using in a high performance environment so that that's yeah been a big challenge
1: moving into the the key topic of high pressure moments i guess <clears throat> referring back over to your experience where yeah new coaches come in are they some of the most significant high pressure moments that you can face as a, in a department especially being in a lead sort of performance role when you're You're having change
0: in, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So obviously our team has gone through a a change in coaches over the last two months, I think. So that's been, you know, a challenge for everyone at the football club. Obviously we're in finals contentions at the time as well. So being able to um, maintain the focus was, was a big, big point that we needed to to remain on on task there, despite having some changes in, you know, obviously the the interim coach, Jim Rinehan, who's come in, has sort of adapted some messages to the group that, you know, we need to change the way that we've sort of perceived by other clubs. And in doing that, we have to train a little bit differently. And so as a, you know, high-performance coordinator being able to adapt the the training regimes that we've applied over the last six months all of a sudden has to be different so making sure that players that you know are physically in in good condition to be able to to adapt to the changing loads has been a challenge obviously uh we've got a a cage coming in next year so you know people staff players are, are looking laterally, you know, worried about what's going on and so, you know, having to be a leader in that space is, has been, you know, a new challenge for me but, yeah, I've, I've enjoyed everything at the same time so, yeah. Yeah, Matt, that,
1: yeah no, absolutely. And from your point of view, what, what are some helpful tips for those that facing those situations and... Like you said, you might be looking laterally, so you're feeling job security is an issue perhaps for your staff. Players feel like, oh, are they going to, you know, perhaps is there job security as well? Are they going to make them the senior team or are they going to be traded? Is there advice in terms of managing that? You talked about how the key to focusing on on the now and, and you know, finals is, is still the goal. At that point in time when there was change, is that where he's tried to shift, I guess, staff and players to, to focusing on what's in front of them in terms of the season? Yeah, that's that's how it that
0: Yeah, the big the big thing for the for our interim coach, Jimmy was just to focus on the now, not not worrying about what's happening two, three, four weeks' time. So really lowering the eyes and focusing what on what you can control right now. And that probably filters through to, you know, myself and my staff that, you know, we, we've got a job at, at hand. It's, you know, as you would know, working week to week in professional sport, you can easily start looking about what's what's going to happen in the in the next in the next season or over the next couple of months. But, you know, it starts from the top. So that that was a message from the coach and, and he was sort of living by that and, and still is. So we all jumped on board with that. But I think it's important to you know, be transparent, be open and, and discussing what is happening. There's a lot of things that are out of your control at the moment, but, you know, find what you can control and, yeah, just being yourself. And, and it's okay to not to not know sometimes, but, you know, providing a, a forum to be able to discuss, you know, things is really important.
1: Mm-hmm. And you mentioned earlier as well, like the importance of emotional intelligence and the sort of personable skills. What have, for for those listening in that want to work on those areas of their coaching, like what have been some of your favourite either practices that you do to do that, or, or courses or uh, resources uh, that you've found helpful? Yeah, really good question. I think it's just a,
0: uh, you know, for for myself in my role is you know being able to you know, communicate and engage with a variety of people, whether it's, you know, the doctors or physios or massage therapists or intern S&C coaches or... So having a a wide range of people that you constantly engage with is, is really important. And obviously the athletes are the number one priority in our industry. But I think it's really important to understand... Yourself, uh, and that's something that I've I've learnt a lot, particularly over the last uh, one to two years, is is understanding your thoughts and and feelings, and and how to control your emotions, and and what worry about things that you can control. You know, myself, I've sort of can be an overworker and trying to you know worry about things that I. I can't control, so that that's something that sort of levelled me out over the last, you know, 12 to 24 months, I've sort of practised that a bit and it just takes time and you know you've got to get your feet under the desk to be able to do that a lot of the time, but you know, I'm big on continually improving and challenge, you know, my athletes and, and my staff to continually improve, but obviously I've got to lead that myself. So, yeah, definitely being able to be more efficient and, and control how you approach situations that you're in is is definitely, you know, a skill that that you require in this role.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well said, mate. That's great advice. And going back to sort of managing the, the sort of stress and the anxiety that can come with the environment at times, <coughs> um, what are some... Ways that you like to sort of manage these emotions and still keep your composure and being able to lead for for the players, like you said, they're the num- number one, they're the focus. So whether it be on game day or or main training session, and something hasn't quite gone to plan, and you're in the moment, yeah, what are some of your areas of focus to be able to then still compose yourself and and I guess perform your role and make an impact for the players? Yep. Well, I think we're,
0: well, I'm big on a, having a system-based approach in our department. So having, you know, like a lead and support kind of set up. So, you know, if, if you're under the pump or, you know, the strength coach has, you know, a lot of things on his hand, then you can lean on, you know, your staff or your peers to, to help you. So really having that support network's really important probably another big thing that i've learned is is that you know when things do go wrong because they do in high performance sport that you just have to trust your ability to overcome problems when they when they occur rather than worrying about oh, what if this happens or what if we are flat today you know how do i approach that well through my experience i know that you need a bit of variety sometimes whether you know subtle subtle ways to to get the boys up for a training session you know but rather than worrying about what if that happens you rely on your experience to be able to to adapt on the fly and that's something that yeah big
1: thing that i've learned that's great man thank you and matt butler's just written in from uh, linkedin do you have any systems in place for athletes or staff can identify extra stresses
0: any systems i think yeah like nothing formalized but there's a obviously having the interpersonal skills to be able to to work with your athletes day to day obviously we you do your typical screening and and well-being every day, but what doesn't come up as a question is, you know, what's going on at home or, you know, players are moving or have family problems or... So being able to to engage with a variety of people at different levels is really important. That's probably a big one for mine. I'm not sure if that answers that question, but, yeah.
1: Yeah, going back to, like you said, the person of all skills, with yep, players definitely. and having that relationship. Obviously, changing head coach, that, that would be no surprise that that would shake the environment and, and come pressure. What would be um, some other things that since being in the lead role that would perhaps surprise people in that can bring, add pressure, I guess, to the role specifically when you're sort of leading a department in head performance?
0: Yeah, the big one, like you can't keep everyone happy all the time
1: and I suppose that's not my role, to
0: be keep everyone happy. I suppose you got to be respected before you're liked. So being able to hang your hat on, you know, your, your key pillars, so being transparent and authentic and having a resilient mindset are probably the three things that I'm trying to drive in, within my program, you know, to, to the athletes and obviously to my staff. So being able to do that, uh, probably a, a big thing that I've learnt is, you know, working with the corporate side of the, the business that was definitely something I never thought of before starting the role. So being able to, you know, to keep, you know, the members membership side of things and commercial engagement and stuff like that, Have, having an understanding of what they need to achieve, you know, whilst applying that in the schedule or keeping them, happy at times so that that's been a challenge probably isn't filtered through to the immediate staff but you know can have a flow effect to the playing group you know there'll be times where they've got media commitments or you know have to do a commercial offside and being able to understand uh, and read the room there's certain times where that's you know going to affect their performance so being able to you know, stand up for the players and and uh, help them out where possible probably a you know a, a stressor that's something that I hadn't really thought of before coming into this role.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. That's is there a, a, a sort of a minimum requirement? I imagine there is, but like, is there a minimum requirement that each player has to do, or is it just more the squad? Um, so, in some sense, you you might select some players to do it and share the load or does everyone have a minimum requirement that they've got to do when it comes to that media corporate side of things yeah a bit bit of both i
0: think i think there's a minimum obligation that the players you know have to sign off on certain amount of hours a week or a month but but then your high profile players obviously are required even more so they're the ones that we have to get right, you know, physically and, and, and performing week to week. So, you know, their commitments outside of football are higher as well. So being able to manage that where possible is a challenge, particularly being Queensland-based. You know, sometimes I have to fly down to Sydney to do Fox Sports shoots and, you know, captain's days and stuff like that is... Is is gets challenging being able to schedule that in but yeah it's sort of you know part of the role is to is to manage that part for the physical performance as well
1: Mhm. and that's something that you, you would act as sort of the middleman in that in that aspect knowing what the media team need then liaise with the players and then try to organize that like you said you don't want them to miss a ideally they wouldn't miss a main training session or you know yeah. is it on you to sort of schedule that in as well with the players oh, it's, to where it fits into their performance?
0: Yeah, it's more coordinating, you know, the, the media and marketing team. You know, this is our schedule and then they'll ask can we have these four players after training on this day or these three players tomorrow morning before training. So being able to understand the balance of, yeah, we can, we need to engage with the community because it's performance-based industry, we need members and people coming through the gates, particularly when we haven't been a successful club. But at the same time, you don't want to burn both ends of the candles, you know, that the players are doing a two-hour promo at 6 a.m. before training, main training at 9 a.m., you know. So, yeah, having an understanding of of where to balance, that's a challenge. Mm -hmm.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: And going back to managing pressure from from the athlete's perspective, um, there's a feeling that pressure can reveal character as well. and There can be some great learning from that perspective. Like how do you sort of help educate the players that, you know, potentially challenging times can come with the best growth and best learning and then perhaps with a growth mindset, they'll be better for it in the, in the future. How do you sort of help them get into that mindset if they're finding that challenging at the time? Yeah, it's
0: it's hard. I think... It's really
1: important to to challenge
0: everyone, all your athletes and and staff. But it's just as, if not more, important to show that you support them. So you know, if you're going through a hard time or out of form, or you're injured, or can't get your your spot back in the in the team, it's it's really important to be able to challenge your athlete. You know, this is these are the three reasons why you're out of the squad or these are the three benchmarks that you need to tick off in your rehab to get back to, to full training or these are the, you know, three areas that you need to improve your game on. So being open and honest about that with the athletes really important. But at the same time, it, it's you need to be able to put your arm around the athlete and, and give them your time and, and energy to to help them, you know, get better at those areas as well. I, I think that's important, um, particularly for, you know, we, we've got a lot of young athletes in our squad and, and sometimes they just want to know that we're backing them in to do a job over a long period of time and, and trust that, you know, you're going to have bad days and bad games, but, you know, we're backing you in over the the long haul and that that gives them confidence to get out of, you know, those tough times.
1: Uh-huh. And the leadership traits, I guess, on game day, like how, to, how does the club go about educating the players during the week to ultimately give that, empower the athletes and the leaders to be able to make the calls in the moment during a game when the pressure's at its highest? Yeah, it's a really good question. I suppose it's about training,
0: you know, Certain aspects of a game, you know, different scenarios when this occurs, how do we play and, um, you know, trust that the leaders drive that. We're, we're still going through that stage with our group. We're really young, so we need those vocal leaders. So we're challenging guys to certain players to get out of their comfort zone and, and speak up and, yeah, being able to challenge one another but also show that they've they're supporting them as well. Um, yeah, that that's an area of growth that we're currently going through. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure if I've answered that
1: question for you. Oh yeah, that makes sense. You gotta, gotta it. You got to got to train it. Got to put it in practice. It makes sense. That's right. um, And then um, final one. Have you got a successful story from your previous experience that sort of springs front of mind where? an athlete or, or a team was going through, or even a staff member, a significant, challenging time with lots of pressure, and in the end, when they came out of it, they were, they were much better for it?
0: It probably takes me back to 2021, when we went through that big COVID lockdown. So I was at Manly at the time. We, were, we started the season zero and four. So we were under the pump. The coach under pressure, and you know we got to make changes. And these players aren't performing. But you know, to to our credit, we we stuck to the process and stuck to the systems that we implemented. Didn't tra- change our training regime. Obviously, we were looking to improve constantly, and we we come out of that. Uh, COVID hit. You know, we went in a bubble. We had to move. Pack up and move to Queensland, you know, mid-season. So, again, our system was strong enough to be able to uh, replicate that in a different environment. And we ended up, you know, playing finals and played in a prelim, you know, close to getting into a grand final. So that that was something that, you know, we'll put under the the pressure, pressure tester there. And, you know, obviously we didn't win the comp, but I thought that's a good good example of you know the start of the year we were under a lot of pressure particularly the coach and we held our nerve and and you know kept driving the players and we stuck to what we believed was what was right for them and it probably showed you know we, we had a player win Dalian, of or the best player of the comp in in NRL and you know the we had a lot of players having career years at the
1: time so Yeah, that was definitely a highlight. Yeah, it's massive. That's a a perfect, perfect experience and and story to share in in this uh, conversation. You mentioned sort of sticking to the task and and trusting the process and the systems. I imagine, you know, zero and four, you know, after a few weeks, there would have been uh, lots of things thrown up to try and make change did it was it the leaders that were really strong, sort of the key stakeholders, both players and staff, that really kept sticking fat, or was that more of a collective decision that was made across the whole board? Sort of talk us through, I guess that that situation where you stuck to it. Where did the sort of thinking come from?
0: Yeah, it's probably a bit of everything. I think yeah, the the leadership group of the of the players were big on sticking to the task at hand and you know support each other and we'll get through this and i think driven by the coaches we were able to you know stick to the course and not not you know tip everything upside down and and panic and because we didn't do that the players bought into what we were selling so it, it sort of feeds itself yeah
1: yeah Oh, very good, mate. Is there anything that you want to touch on, Cam, before we move on to the last three questions that are outside of the key topic, but in terms of thriving in high-professional environments, we've yeah, discussed a fair bit in detail there, but anything yeah, you want to really, wrap mate. it up with? Yeah. yeah, no, I'm all good. Thanks. In your work life, pet peeves, anything that sort of fires you up from an industry perspective?
0: Yeah, probably uncertainty. People that are uncertain or... You know, a bit wishy-washy, or about what they're what they're doing is, or you know, or why they're doing it is probably yeah, strikes a nerve a bit. Or people that have their own agendas, you know, in a in a team environment, obviously doesn't sit well with me. People operating in silos and not sort of collectively working together is something that you know I'm trying to get our department to really focus on working together and be fully transparent and and challenging the status quo. So trying to always look to to improve and just because this is the way that it's been done doesn't mean it's the best way. So having that mindset I think is really important.
1: Where, where does that philosophy come from? Have you sort of experienced where it's the opposite, where it is quite rigid and this is the way we've done it and we will always do that? Or, or is it more just you've seen the benefits of the mindset of constantly looking to get better?
0: Yeah, a bit of both. I think uh, coming from AFL to NRL was, was an eye-opener. There was things that culturally and, and vice versa in AFL, things that it's just how it's done. So being able to to challenge that a bit coming to to NRL, the way that you train, you know, how you challenge athletes to constantly get better rather than, you know, this is is how I train or this is, you know, how I rehabilitate an injury or, you know, this is how the training schedule should look like. You know, there's always ways to... To, to look to evolve and obviously I mentioned him earlier that working with someone like Kieran Foran, an older athlete who's 33, he's been around forever, he's gone through a lot you know physically and to be able to constantly look to improve and, and to get your body better you know you have to evolve and adapt and, and train differently you know to survive in high performance environments so yeah, to be rigid and say this is just how we do it doesn't isn't sustainable for for athletes over a long period of time. You have to look to to evolve. Mm. No, that's awesome.
1: And what about favorite way to spend a day off?
0: I'd like to think I go alright at surfing, but since I moved to Brisbane, I haven't haven't been in the water a lot. So I'd I'd like to. Head to the beach a lot more, living in, in Brizzy. I'm probably in between Noosa and Gadda so going to one of those those spots would be ideal and obviously spending it with, with my family and my five-year-old boy. Yeah, that, that's, that's the ideal for me.
2: Yeah.
1: <clears throat> and in August of 2023, during this recording, what are you most excited about for the rest of the year, mate? What's on the horizon? Just
0: business as usual for me. It's pretty boring, but I'm still, yeah, really excited at, at, you know, the the position I'm in at the moment and the the direction that the club is going in. Obviously, we're not winning a, as many games as we'd like, but being able to hopefully influence a lot of young athletes and and help shape, you know, them moving forward is is really exciting and find every day a challenge so sort of not looking too far ahead but yeah really keen to see how this group goes over the next you know two or three years
1: absolutely yeah well they're in good hands clearly and yeah really appreciate (laughs) you jumping on and and sharing with this your uh, your experiences but also uh, advice and practical tips that uh, both coaches and athletes can apply uh, to their game to to make themselves better um, for those that have any follow-up questions or want to connect and look into your work, mate, is there, is there a place on social media to get in contact?
0: Yeah, I think it's Ferguson Cam. I'm not too active on, on the socials. I think it's Ferguson Cam and, and obviously the, on the, on LinkedIn linked in as well, Cameron Ferguson. Yeah, if you want to reach out, that's fine. Happy to yeah. message you back. So I appreciate you pulling up that photo of me as well from about 15 years ago the the hairline's a bit different but it just shows how active I am on on the socials
1: yeah I'll have to I'll have to double check that way it doesn't spring <laughs> to my marketing assistant put, puts together the thumbnails yeah, nice. but I'll have, I to have a look so, it was a few years ago was it just yeah it was a ago. I might have to <laughs> update it <clears throat> Yeah, flickers a, a photo, we'll update it for the podcast. Well <laughs> yeah. t- uh, thanks again, mate. And yeah, really appreciate it. Thank you for everyone that's tuned in and and, and Mac Butler, great, great to see you engage, mate, and send in your question. For those for our next podcast, we're gonna have Blair Mills, which is on the sixteenth of August. So that'll be at four PM Australian Eastern Standard Time. So make sure to tune in. Thank you for everyone that's tuned into this chat. If you've uh, tuned in halfway through, make sure to listen to on the YouTube channel and then we'll release it on our podcast in the next few weeks. So Thanks again, Cam. Really appreciate it, mate. No worries. Thanks, Jack. Thanks for having me. If you enjoyed this episode and want even more, our academy is for you. The Prepare Like a Pro Academy is a platform that hosts exclusive features and bonus content, such a Q&A segment aimed at getting to know the guests on a more personal level. Here's an example with Emily Meehan, head sports dietitian of the Collingwood Football Club. What are things that, that fire you up?
2: Oh, this one is always, uh, I suppose it is, um, it'll be topical for most people, I think, but staying in your lane. And I often find that with nutrition, everyone eats, so everyone has an opinion. And I think that's what really gets me fired up um, because so many people try and provide nutrition advice based on their end of one experience when they did intermittent fasting or keto or whatever it might be. And then game, changes.
1: We feel like yeah, game
2: change. changes, whatever that might be. And look, it probably keeps me in a job, but that it does drive me insane because yeah. sometimes the information can be so detrimental um, and opposite to what I've been working with my athlete or athletes. And you know, and because they hear it on someone's socials or through a documentary, it unravels everything that I've been working with in athlete.
1: Yeah, yeah. Another feature of our academy is the opportunity each week to join myself as co-host on the Prepare Like a Pro live chat show. Here's an example with academy member Rama Davies, the strength and conditioning coach at the Box Hill Hawks. Welcome Rama to the chat. Uh, Rama has also worked at, at Box Hill, or currently he's working at Box Hill Hawks with us, awesome. so he's another Box Hill man uh, in the strength and conditioning department, so I'll hand it over to you, Ramita, to ask your question, mate. Thanks for joining us. Excellent.
3: Thanks, Jack. And, yeah, thanks, um, thanks, Sam, for the chat. It was uh, I found it to
1: be really insightful, plenty of gems in there, um, and I enjoyed it a lot. Um, mate, my my question to you was you spoke a, a quite a bit about um, perspective during that chat, um, and I was wondering what are some of the things that you either know or um do physically that um you wish you either knew
3: or did uh, back at the beginning of your career uh, what are some of those things mm, yeah good question um yeah so i suppose with perspective on life um that sort of point um it yeah certainly yeah has been massive for me now and and didn't probably have that as much um when i was younger um I suppose one thing I might mention is is gratitude. I spend a lot of my time um, doing a lot of gratitude exercises, listening to podcasts, doing a, a journal every day just a bit to say what I'm grateful for sort of three things. and um, that's a fantastic way that I've been able to yeah like reset and and just kind of gain that gratitude and perspective about you know that there is more to life in football or you know maybe whatever as an sNC coach, you know if something's you having a hard time. Um, it can be massive with just, yeah, opening your eyes a little bit and losing that sort of tunnel vision or being stuck in that, in that work bubble. Um, so that's, that's been huge. Um, I think I wish back then when I was younger, I asked more questions and was a bit more open to different things. Mm. I think I was a bit single-minded back then. And, um, you know, I thought there was one way of doing things and, um, if I kind of, didn't have that fear, fear of you know asking a silly question or fear of judgment it would have got me a lot further and I probably would have learned a lot quicker um and yeah. and yeah like just yeah being open to sort of different things um because you never know what you might find it's just yeah there's so many people like great people out there knowledgeable people to learn off
1: and there's plenty more where that came from if you would like to learn more then enter patreon.com forward slash prepare like a pro or head to the link in our show notes Thank you for listening to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. If you like this episode, it would be a massive help if you could like, follow, rate, give a review, or even share with your mates. The show is recorded in Melbourne, Australia. Be sure to follow our Instagram page for all updates on our latest and greatest. If you would like to get in touch to suggest a guest or advertise with the Prepare Like a Pro podcast, please email me at jack at preparelikeapro.com. Thanks so much for tuning in.